So open up to the book of Jude and let's lay a foundation. Beginning then with this fourth verse, the walk of the Spirit, the walk of power. Excuse me, back up to three. I'm in too much of a hurry. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men which have crept in unaware. Stop. You remind me of me when I first got turned on to the fact that there is a deliberate, premeditated, on-purpose way to walk into the power of God. I was so hungry. It was not enough for me to know that you could walk in power. The cry of my heart was, for God's sake, can somebody tell me how? H-O-W. It's not enough to know that I can. Somebody please tell me how. You imagine how I felt when I found a passage that said, Roberson, you should earnestly contend for the kind of faith that the early saints walked in. Somebody told me, you and the faith move, and I said, yes, sir. Now, you already got more than the early church had, I beg your pardon. There's nobody writing the Bible now. <laughs> You have to at least have as much before you can have more. And I didn't notice people lined up outside on the street just in case our shadow fell on them when we got here, did you? <laughs> Nor did I notice ambulances making one-way trips to this meeting. <laughs> Yet that kind of power is available. Can you imagine how I felt? When I found a verse that said, Roberson, you should earnestly contend for that kind of faith, that devil-stomping, mountain-moving kind the early church walked in. But there's one thing that I have found out about the Word of God. It will not tell me to contend for that kind of faith without going on in minor detail in telling me how to contend. H-O-W. It's not enough to know that I should for God's sake, would somebody tell me how? Don't you wave a stake in front of my face and don't give it to me. See, Jude wouldn't tell you and I to earnestly contend without going on to tell us how. He said certain men crept in unawares. Now, whoever these men were, they literally destroyed the faith of the early church. I did a study on these men, if for no other reason, to find out not what I should do to lose my walk of faith. Well, he likened these men that destroyed the faith of the early church to waves of the sea foaming, raging to their own shame. Any idea what he's talking about? These kind of waves came up out of the sea, put on quite a show. But just as quick 
as they come into existence, they disappeared into the body they came out of. He likened these men who destroyed the faith of the early church as wandering stars. You and I call them shooting stars. Come into existence with a blaze of glory, but just as quick, they disappear into the darkness they came out of. By far, my favorite label that he put on these men was clouds without water. Have you any idea what a cloud without water is? When it comes over the horizon, it looks real good, puts on quite a show, but when it comes time to produce, it cannot because it has no water. Oh, I like this. From Genesis to Revelation, he's always lacking the Holy Spirit to water. If you believe on me, as the scripture says, out of your belly, your spirit, man, will flow what? Rivers, plural, of living water. Well, what's the criteria? What's the first stipulation to this walk of power? I cannot be a cloud without water. I must be that cloud with water. I must be. For again, he wouldn't tell me to earnestly contend for that kind of faith without going on before this teaching is even over. And tell me how. Well, because we're being paced, let's go on down to the 19th verse. Look at 19 very, very closely. These be they. Well, who is the they he's talking about? These be they who separate themselves. Notice the label he put on them. He said they're sensual or sense-ruled, having not the Spirit. Well, who is these they's that he's talking about? They're the clouds without water. Notice what he said about them. He said they're sensual or sense-ruled because they have not the Spirit. Now let's stop and think about this for a minute. Think real good. If us faith people had a creed, if we had a creed, what would our creed be? Well, who's a faith person? Well, in modern day religion, a faith person is someone that chews a whole lot of Copenhagen. <laughs> that is to say, they devour a lot of Copeland and Hagen tapes. Well, what would be the label of a faith? If we had a creed, why not? Everybody else has one. If us faith people had a creed, don't you think this would be our creed? I'm not moved by what I see, hear, or feel. I am only moved by what I believe. And I take the word of God as the final say-so in my life. I think that would be our creed. But preacher, you're sick. Well, who asked you? <laughs> we'll just ask your body. It will tell you. Of course it will tell me. 
That's the way my senses are designed. If anything goes wrong, my body starts prophesying. It says, Roberson, you're getting sick. Therefore, are you going to ask your body? No, I'm not going to ask my body. Well, who are you going to ask then? I'm going to ask the Word of God as the final say-so in my life, for it has declared himself, has borne my sicknesses, and he's carried my pains, and glory to God I don't have to have all mine. <laughs> well, I take the Word of God as the final say-so in my life. Well, what are we saying here? All we're saying is I'm not dominated by my senses. I'm not ruled by my senses. I'm not ruled by what I see here or feel. I only take the word of God as the final say-so in my life. Now, in the light of that verse, what is it saying? It's saying, now, we're not like these clouds without water that don't have the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Ghost and because we have him, we will not be sensual or sense-dominated. Then I've got news for you. The Holy Ghost has a whole lot more that you thought that he had a part to play in your life. You're walking out of a place being dominated by your senses and into a place in the Spirit where he's declared you free. Uh, he says, you're not like these clouds without water, since ruled. And why aren't you? Because you have the Holy Ghost. Now, when I first got turned on to Copenhagen, as a young preacher, <laughs> in fact, I was a young, ultra, ultra, ultra Pentecostal holiness preacher. This is the kind of stuff we lived on. If you're in a movie show, when the rapture takes place, don't worry. You'll have plenty of time to finish your movie. <laughs> if you're wearing jewelry, you'll have to stay and finish paying for it. <laughs> and what's them earrings, huh? Them's the devil's stirrups. What do you think he mounts your mind with, sweetie? That was my diet. We dressed people from the outside in. We wanted them to affect change, but we wouldn't give them nothing to do it with. They told me, if you had anything, you'd quit smoking that pipe. And I thought, my God, if they'd give me anything, I would. <laughs> well, I'm still praising and thanking God for the day he taught me the laws of meditation. Because I've got news for you. The Word of God is the most powerful force on the face of this earth. Most powerful. And there is a way in the Holy Ghost where you can approach this Word where it'll come so alive in you that it'll not only make the devil sick, but it'll drive every damnable disease out of your body. You hear me? Whew. 
I found out that verse 19 and 20 were one thought, one thought. They were not meant to be separated. And when I found that out, I took my first step into the greatest freedom that I have ever known. What does 20 say? What does 20 say? It says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves, where? On your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. I thought, my God, what is this saying? As much as I've strived for faith, bawled for faith, threatened the mountain, threatened God, <laughs> cried through fits, it all did no good. And under my nose was a verse that said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy God kind of faith. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I thought, God, build myself up where? Where am I going? Build myself up where? I asked one preacher, and he said, well, and edified. And I thought, of course, it means that. But what's it actually talking about? Build myself up where? And then when I realized that both verses were one thought, hello, freedom. Because you don't have to be sense-ruled, sense-dominated like a man that don't have the Holy Ghost. Because ye, beloved, you have the Holy Ghost. And why don't I have to be sense-ruled anymore? Because he will build you up up where? Up above a walk where your senses bring you to a dead standstill into a glorious, liberated walk of power by praying in the Holy Ghost. What you saying, preacher, I'll tell you what I'm saying. Mark eleven twenty three says, Roberson, you can say to the mountain, mountain be removed, cast into the sea. It says, Roberson, if you doubt not in your where that I can have whatsoever I say with my mouth, hold on. You mean that if I could come to the place in God where I doubted not with my heart, then I could have what I said with my mouth. Now, wait a minute. We better get this clear. We don't want any mistakes. You mean I can have what I say with my mouth if I doubt not with my heart? Then thank God, for we have found something we can do on purpose just because we want to. It carries an iron-glad guarantee to affect me in the part of me. He said that if I doubt not in building myself up where? Up above the walk, being dominated by my senses into a glorious, liberated walk of power in the Holy Ghost. He said, by affecting myself to edification and building my spirit up higher and higher and higher in God by praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, in these days to come, in the days to come, these next four, 
day by day, we're going to progressively take one step at a time. And if you go on failing, it's because you're going to have to want to. I got time for a short testimony. For he really is pacing me. In fact, I can feel it starting to change now, so you better pray for me. Hallelujah. When I was that young, ultra Pentecostal holiness boy, I was so hungry for God it hurt. God had mercy on me, gave me a vision. I woke up under an anointing. The power of God was all over me, and I could see it as clear as I can see you. I seen a large auditorium. I was sitting on the left-hand side of the auditorium. I knew by revelation it was my service. I was taking it over. My wife was sitting next to me. There was a front man. He got ready to turn it over to me, and he says, And now our evangelist. I started to stand up. He looked at me for a moment turned around, pointed at the curtain, and when he did, this young, beautiful woman floated out from behind the curtain, got a hold of the microphone, loved all over everybody, emptied two or three wheelchairs. And when the service was over, she looked me right in the eye and she says, I don't know why God's given me this ministry. One of you men must have failed. Well, I died. Then, I hurt so bad that when my wife woke up, I said, Look, I can't live the way I do anymore. I hurt too bad. I said, Will you go with me? And she said, Yes. So swim, sink, eat beans, sleep under a tree, dress the kids in gunny sacks. Will you still go? And she said, Yes. Two weeks later, I found myself full time. I didn't know what to do with my time. As a young ultra boy, as of yet I was not introduced to the Word of God such as I know it now. I didn't know what to do, so I reported to the church. When the mill whistle blew, I was in position on my knees ready to pray. No idea what praying in tongues would do. And as God is my witness, the only reason I prayed in tongues was to survive the hours that I had committed to. Because I figured that somehow, that if I would pray the amount of time that I would normally work, that somehow God would pay me. It was an eight-by-eight prayer closet. The first 20 minutes was English, because that's all I could think of to say. (laughs) The missionaries in India, and the missionaries, and we cursed the cockroaches, and God put groceries in our cupboard and and oh God give me that anointing oh God and only last 20 minutes just to survive the time I committed to I switched to praying with tongues go sundano sotolemus corindin sukurama God only 15 minutes no sumoretunku sotondorichuma I thought at least two hours went by. (laughs) Finally, the 10 o'clock mill whistle blew. It meant we could have our break. Brother, I beat it down to the coffee shop. (laughs) Donuts and then ran back, and I had to be in position in 15 minutes ready for prayer again. 
Well, I went on so long to my soul, could you? My God, I thought at least it'd be three hours. <laughs> Wasn't even noon yet. <laughs> well, that went on week after week. I imprisoned myself in the closet. I didn't know what else to do week after week. Some gal finally caught on to what I was doing. And she said, are you feeling anything? <laughs> I said, yeah. Yeah, I am. She says, what? I said, a tired chin, tired mouth, and dry throat. <laughs> she goes, oh. <laughs> well, about two months went by, and somebody bought me a whole box of Hagen tapes, reel to reel, when he preached three and four hours at a time. <laughs> and I got to listening to Hagen tapes, and that prayer and that word started merging. Oh, ultra ultra mistakes started to fall off three months went by still in my closet locked up hardly seen anybody this woman comes running over and she says brother robertson there's a lay witness in town we're all gathering together for the weekend in the church and we wanted to know if you wanted to come now this lay witness they did not speak with tongues they did not they didn't even like it but she was a friend, so she says, well, you come. I thought, oh, goody, goody gumdrops. You know, this is a good reason to get out of the closet for a while, you know. <laughs> so I ran home and changed, and they were meeting at a house where they had a morning prayer and, and Bible study. So she said, which house? So I'm running over, and I got there late. See, I didn't know the woman sitting next to me come in on a crutch. See, I didn't know. How could I know that? I was late. And I was so excited because this guy was going to teach a Bible study and I'd just been listening to tapes, but I was in my first real live service. You know, I just couldn't... Real people all around me, you know. <laughs> so they said, sit down. So I sat down. They said, do you want some coffee? And I said, yeah. And they brought me a cup of coffee and I was all excited thinking, this is it. I get to hear a real live message taught by a real live person. I can't hardly wait, you know. I said, quiet, everybody. This guy gets you scrolling, you know, scroll, notes. Thought rolled out on the floor. So I, I was sitting there, and he begins, you know. And we know that Jesus is the great celestial go-between. The trouble waters of mankind and the old nipple G A W D. And I was sitting there thinking, what did you get yourself into, huh? Huh? Shaking the coffee for excitement. You know? <laughs> Watching the rings. <laughs> My mind was floating in and out. I thought, well, I'd rather be in the closet. <laughs> I said, this is the most boring stuff. I just, Yancey, I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> if I sat in there minding my own business, I had no idea what was going to take place. I didn't even know I was edifying myself. I didn't know nothing. In fact, you could even subtract from that. <laughs> I turned around out of pure boredom and looked at the elderly lady next to me when I did. It looked like somebody pulled an x-ray out of my spirit 
and stuck it up in my spirit's eye. It was an x-ray of a hip, and the hip had dark arthritis all around the ball joint extending three to four inches down into the leg, and this thing was suspended between me and her. I like to drop my coffee. <laughs> I mean, all I did was glanced over, and there it was. And I thought, my God. I blinked, and it stayed there. I said, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Silence. Please. What do you want? This guy, and we know, furthermore, that God, what do you mean? Silence. And it was horrible. Almost like if the vision is not enough, maybe I called the wrong guy. So I says, God, what do you want me to do? I had really just got a hold of some tapes on decency and in order. <laughs> so I leaned over to the lady and I says, ma'am, do you have arthritis in your right hip? And she says, why, that's what the doctor tells me, young man. And I go, praise God. She goes, I didn't beg your pardon. I says, God is going to heal you. Well, I know that he's able. I said, I do too, but I mean, he's going to. Can I pray for you? Now, you have to understand, our orator was still reading. So. And to her, prayer meant, in the course of my day, that in a moment of silence, to bow my head, and remember her. That isn't what prayer meant to me. <laughs> the only services I'd ever been in. And them guys that jump benches, spit cotton balls. If you was asleep, they'd kick your chair 15 feet out from under you. Know. <laughs> the harder you prayed and the louder, the more results you got. I said, in the name. <laughs> Well, how would I know how to pray? I never seen any faith people. I just had their tapes. <laughs> she says, yes, you may, Sonny. And I jumped around in front of her. I got down on my knees and grabbed both her ankles and jerked them straight up, even with my belly button. She, she was sitting there, and I looked, one of them was four inches short, and I went, oh, my God, look at this leg. I couldn't look. I still moved by what I seen Heard and felt. <laughs> I looked at that. I thought, I'd better close my eyes. So I closed my eyes and proceeded to pray one of them strong, ultra-Pentecostal holiness. Let's yell God down, kind God. I said, in the name. Well, immediately the golden-tongued orator launched his associate in our direction. You know. <laughs> he comes running over. It was too late. Yeah. <laughs> I had my eyes closed. The witnesses told me on the first Jesus, they went, Shh! And all the arthritis left her leg. I didn't know that. I had my eyes closed. I like to wrestle that poor lady off on the floor. <laughs> the, the orator's associate gets over there just in time. Instead of breaking it up, he sees the leg go, Shh! Instead of breaking it up, it struck him mute. You know, he goes, And the orator winds down with these words. And what is the most 
outstanding sequence of events that you could possibly attribute to your relationship with God. And this guy's going, over here. (laughs) Well, they tried to tell her she wasn't healed, but it didn't do any good because she was beating them with her cane. That afternoon in their their luncheon, she stands up and if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a woman there at the luncheon under therapeutic care, and they said, let's call Roberson. She couldn't bend over. They called me up and said, can we come over? I started to say, bring everybody. You know, the lion of Judah. (laughs) Come on, let's get them, man. We have arrived, you know. But the Holy Spirit interrupted me and he says, you go down to the church. I said, I got to go to the church. So they were waiting for me out front. When I got there, they said, we want to take you in a basement, a room that nobody knows anything about. They's going to hide me down there. They let me me pray for them. I said... The Holy Spirit says, no, you go to the main auditorium. I said, main auditorium. So they waited for the break. At the break, they led me up front, and I was standing there thinking, what do you want me to do next, God? And they thought that I was standing there to get everybody's attention. So the orator's associate, he goes, I think he wants to say something. And I thought, I do. I never preached. What am I going to say? So everybody looked at me, and I opened my mouth and started to tell them about what happened to the elderly woman. When I did, it felt like somebody threw a hydraulic jack over my spirit. He got caught in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Something happened to me. I heard myself saying things that I thought to myself, My God, man, you know that you're not that smart. You know it's a good sign the teacher has shown up. I heard myself saying things that scared me. In fact, it affected them the same way. They started creeping towards their chairs, and as soon as they could, they sat down, and I went on and on, and all of a sudden, this man's shoulder section become transparent like an x-ray. I seen it. I ran over. I said, your shoulder is going to be healed. I grabbed his wrist. He screamed. I jerked it straight up in the air. He goes, my God, look at this. (laughs) Then the woman with the therapeutic care could bend over and touch our toes. Then the boy with the cataracts that fell off on his cheeks. In fact, the elders moved into the crowd. They said, we have got to break this up. Before they could, I yelled, anyone want what I got? And all the youth come running up and was getting filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, out of control. (laughs) They would fall and the others would hold them up saying, are you all right? Tongues all over the place. The elders were in a frenzy. And while the elders were trying to bring it back under control, I snuck out a side door. I left them with a mess. I left them with a mess. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't hardly walk. I did make it to an iron post supporting the church. 
I grabbed hold of the post, was hugging it. I couldn't have been arrested for drunk walking. I was holding on to the post, crying like a little baby. You have to understand. All of my born-again Holy Ghost life, there's been a call on me. No one could tell me how to walk into the power of God on purpose. No one. They'd give me generalities. But here God had just finished using me. I know me. Oh, failure, Dave Roberson. I knew me. He had used my hands. He had used my spirit. I was bawling like a baby. What kind of God is he to use someone such as us? All of a sudden, prophecy began to flow. I didn't have enough sense to speak it out loud. But he said to me, He said, son, the reason this anointing came on you was not because it was predestinated for this service, nor because you're called to be an evangelist, nor creed, race. He said, that anointing came on you because you have uncovered a spiritual law that gives you an ironclad guarantee to build yourself up above a sense-dominated a walk where your senses hold you at bay and bring you to a dead standstill into a vibrant, spirit-charged, free walk in the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what was happening then, but I do now. In five nights, I can give you the first step. One year from that day, my car was an old 1958 Chevrolet. And believe me, it was not in 1958. It was 1971. It smoked so bad, I got stopped six times by the state police in 150 mile drive to see what was in the smoke screens. <laughs> Bought my tires at the junkyard, $4 a piece on the rim. Called, called them cords. As long as the cord was showing, I could get them for $4 a piece. It had 160000 on it when the speedometer broke. That was before I got it. (laughs) You know, it's one of them kind of things they give it to you if you get it out of the yard. (laughs) I carried reclaimed oil. Reclaimed oil is oil somebody used. Then they clean it up and you get it. It burned so much, I just, I'd wait till the red light come on, then I'd jump out and pour another gallon or so. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be stopping all the time. <laughs> I started preaching, and people felt sorry for me. 
So they give me a suit, but the trouble is five different people give it to me. <laughs> Bright red pants. <laughs> a blue plaid. Bright plaid. Sports coat. And green shirt. <laughs> Gold tie. <laughs> I'd hear people whispering. <laughs> it matched our house. <laughs> it didn't do any good to pull the curtains if you didn't want to be home. Uh, they could just see you through the wall. <laughs> it was on a riverbed and it, it shifted and cracked the house. How do you fix a twisted house? <laughs> we didn't like being humble. <laughs> then somebody gave me some Hagen tapes. One year from the day I got that tape, one year from the day I started praying in the Holy Ghost, something happened to the word that was in me. Say, what happened? Well, let me, uh, let me give you the expression in the natural realm of what happened to me in the spiritual realm. Parked out in front of our first two-story house, and the down payment was made, was... A 27-foot escapade motorhome with a full power plant in it. And I owned every bolt in it. Had 4,000 miles on it. Parked next to it was a brand new Volkswagen van off the showroom floor. I want you to know I ached with joy and bawled. When I slid into that thing on the showroom floor while they moved the cars out of the way so I could drive it off, I got drunk smelling into the upholstery. And I owned ever a boat in it. Parked out next to the Volkswagen van off the Portland docks straight from Germany it was a bright yellow Volkswagen bug for my wife's personal car. Inside was the title. We owned every boat in it. Twelve months. You say, what happened, Roberson? Step two tomorrow night. It has been to my experience that the more a person prays in tongues, the more it charges the word. He already knows. Did you learn anything? Yes. Then give Jesus a hand. He's ready. Hallelujah.